beautiful. So yeah, so we're good on the volume front now, which is good. And we're mostly good on the editor front. I'm still like I'm still annoyed that I have to use Audacity for stuff. Like I feel like this free software that has this noise reduction, it should ha- there should be a similar thing on the thing that I actually paid to use, but I suppose that's mm-hmm. life. <laughs> well, I think you go first this time. Do I? Well, I think my comic went first last time, and then we did Jack's. Okay. Right, I'm about okay. 100% sure. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's correct. Because we started uh, with talking about pumpkin spice. Except two weeks ago, I think we started with yours as well. Well, you know what? You I just had to, I had to make an executive decision. No, I understand. I wasn't going to make the executive decision, so I'm glad you did. Yep. Okay, let's see. Grant's comic is Adam at Home by Rob Harrell. We see a, presumably a father, who's a little scruffily lying on the couch, uh, a bit bedraggled. His collared shirt is unbuttoned. Uh, I'm assuming that he is sitting next to his wife, who is holding a newspaper, and he says, the kids hate me. I don't mean to cheat them out of vacation, but they have to know this is unusually busy time for me. And uh, the mother says, they're resilient, they'll be fine. And the dad says, actually, I was hoping to hear, they don't hate you. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> good, I'm glad you think so. I like that. They're resilient. (laughs) (laughs) So what was your thought here, Grant? Okay. Well, first of all, this comic wasn't exactly what I was looking for. I was struggling to find something that was more precisely what I was looking for, but it sort of relates to what I was trying to lead our conversation towards for this evening. Just the use of the word resilient in it is pretty much the reason that I chose it. Um, not really the overall theme of the comic or something, which I would state more of being along the lines of, like, not being as supportive as you think you are or something. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about resilience uh, okay. specifically. So what the kids in this, the hypothetical kids in this comic are so good at being or whatever. But I I think I just kind of wanted to start out by asking you what role you think resilience plays in your life. Man, I should have gone first for a third week in a row. <laughs> Hitting you hard right off the bat. You are. Uh, man, what role does it play? I don't know. I feel like... Resilient is definitely not an adjective I would describe or use to describe myself. Mm-hmm. Not because it's like I'm weak or malleable or something like that. Or it's just, yeah, it just has, there's a certain framing to resilience. Like there's a certain context to when you use that. That's like in the face of great negativity and great opposing powers you will be resilient 
I don't know. I just don't view myself that way. I don't view like these awful things in the world like surrounding me or things that I have to like fight off or be resilient against. It's more like, I don't know, just kind of being positive and just kind of rolling with stuff and being prepared and all that. Like, I I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's a time or a situation where like I would feel good about being resilient but there's something about it, like, it just sounds weird to me if I were to call myself resilient. It doesn't have a super, doesn't have like a negative connotation, but it doesn't have a super positive connotation in my head either. I don't so know. So are you, are you saying that you feel like you, I don't know, are not, I don't want to say like too privileged, but you haven't dealt with serious enough adversity to be comfortable calling yourself resilient is that kind of that might be part of the root of it uh, would would your answer to my question change if i change the word resilient to more of like anti-fragile or something no not really because i don't know i just oh man because this is just like a weird word game sort of in my head where resilient just doesn't seem applicable to my life Hmm. not to say that i couldn't be resilient if the opportunity came up but i just don't view it in like i just don't view it in that way resilient seems like a slightly offensive by offensive i mean offense versus defense like Mm -hmm. a slightly like offensive slightly aggressive term like, I don't know, like, as in resilient is used for something that's like being attacked or something like that, you know, like, hmm. in my head, like, that's when I would use it. That's the connotation I have. I know that you could use it for other situations, mm-hmm. but in my mind, it's like, it, there's a certain level of like a negative thing that must be going on for that to be used in my life okay and i just i wouldn't frame things that way i don't know i want to hear what you have to say because i'm sure that you have something to say and that might allow me to frame it better in my head okay when i think about resilience i think about i i'm getting the feeling that you have a more i don't know grand view of resilience than me I think that's probably um, fair. Yeah, that's that's where my head is going. Because I think of resilience... Ugh. Resilience. Let's see how many ways I can pronounce this <laughs> yeah. word. Um, Resilience. As I, <laughs> as I spelled it wrong like four times looking for it. <laughs> um, I just view it as dealing with or bouncing back from kind of any level of adversity that you experience in your life. Hmm. And so that could be, like, stubbing your toe in the morning and not letting that ruin your whole day. Or, like, getting through the end of a work day with a really bad headache. Or something like that. I don't really view it as having to be this... Although it can be some big, grand, I'm fighting against the system and everything's against me but I'm still staying strong type thing. Hmm. I... I view it in much more of a 
I don't know. The a few minutes ago when I mentioned the I said anti-fragile, it's kind of that almost is more of how I view resilience. It not as much of a cuz I think resilience does have some sort of an active sense to the word, but I would say I view it in more of a just not being incredibly fragile sort of way and being able to kind of bounce back from things that were you to be very fragile would maybe cause you to not necessarily break, but crack or hmm. crumble in some sort of way. I guess because this is, I, despite, I'm not even going to bother looking up a definition of resilient. I'm just going to stick with what it means in my head for now. Because I'm sure that, like, I'm sure that there are, is a broader use and, like, my in-head definition is not entirely correct. That's almost for sure a given. But when I think of something that's re- resilient, uh, you know, directly, at, you know, addressing your not fragile thing, something like mm, a piece of rubber is not, like, fragile. Mm-hmm. It'll bounce around and stuff. But I don't think... I wouldn't use the term resilient to describe a piece of rubber. Okay. I would use, like, in my head, resilient is like... if I, I, I'm i just attaching it to tangible objects at this point, not like people or anything. Mm-hmm. But my, like, image of resilient is like, you know, like a fort or something that can withstand bombardment. Like, that is a resilient fort. Mm-hmm. You know? It, like it takes these direct attacks and doesn't bend it doesn't break versus okay. like a piece of rubber or something that kind of gives with it is something that i would be like oh that's something that's like malleable or flexible and that's a different sort of a trait uh but what i was thinking when you were talking is that i think i think the source of my like not really knowing what to think about it is that resilient is not like a base level characteristic in my head it's like a it's a conglomeration of other traits that something Mm -hmm. or someone might have right so like your Mm -hmm. ability to be resilient to insert whatever random negative thing happens in your life it's not because you're just a resilient person it's because you have other like more foundational aspects to you and your personality that allows you to then be described as resilient Okay, yeah, you're if that makes you're sense. taking this in almost the exact direction that I was hoping to oh. take it to. Well, there we and go. And <laughs> so what I was trying to get towards is what are those personal aspects of you that allow you to be quote-unquote resilient or whatever we're going to call it so that you're comfortable talking about it? Mm-hmm. Or do you think that there are some that you wish some personal qualities that would make you more resilient that you wish you had? Because also, I don't know, a lot of it also feels sort of contextual. Like, you could put me in a lot of situations where I probably wouldn't be particularly resilient. You know? Like, Mm -hmm. that's the thing. It's always, like, a resilience to something. Mm -hmm. Like, everyone can be resilient to so many things and then, like, just crack at something else, somewhat unexpected. Just depending on the makeup of their resilience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. I think for me, part of it is like definitely like a general optimism that I have about the world that I've had for a number of years. Like I don't get 
particularly negative. Like I can point out negative things and gripe just like anybody else, but it's rarely in like a serious, dark or like particularly negative way. Okay. Uh, and I think that that's, I don't know if that's a, again, it's hard to necessarily nail down whether that trait is something that causes me to be more resilient to some bad things happening or things like change and stuff in my life Mm -hmm. or if it is like a byproduct of something else Uh, i'm not really sure but in either case that's kind of what i've always thought is like i have a, a pretty general optimism for a lot of stuff um and obviously sometimes it's not always like the best thing, but for me it tends to work out pretty well. And I don't know. People talking. Sounds like they're in your apartment. Well, I mean, there's literally a door with about a four inch gap four. underneath it. Oh, yeah. That's a frustrating Holy cow. Part. That's not a actually, lot. Not actually, but like normally you expect like a half inch at most, but it's like a tiled floor throughout and it's probably at least an inch oh so wow. it just bounces right through <laughs> i was gonna say four inches like a small child could almost crawl through there <laughs> well i think that you're wrong and also it's not four <laughs> inches <laughs> uh but yeah i don't know i'm i'm trying i'm having a hard time now pegging down like the words that i would use I think part of it is like a. I'm having a hard time because I don't want to sound like, like kind of self righteous or anything like that. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, you know. I totally understand. Yeah, but I don't know. Like I think that I tend to be, if not entirely self aware. Like there have been certain things that go on in your life that kind of point out like I'm not I'm not as aware of myself and who I am and how I'm perceived as I thought I was. Hmm. But I've grown more open to kind of working on that. Like, even if something gets pointed out where clearly I was not aware of things going on around me as I thought I was, uh, I've become more open to kind of receiving that feedback as it comes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that that's part of it, is that openness and understanding of change. Like, something that I was thinking about last week, you know, so I went home this weekend uh, to Minnesota and just kind of walking around there and like going back it just kind of it was like man I changed a whole heck of a lot in the past year and like day to day you think of yourself as very static but there are some very specific things that I can think of where it's like yeah I changed a lot <laughs> you know mm-hmm. uh, and and I think that acknowledging that and being okay with that and working through that is a strength of mine that probably contributes to a sort of long-term resilience to things like moving out here, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and and trying to be aware of how I'm feeling, you know. I mean, we've spent a lot of time now talking about, like, just making friends as an adult and stuff like that and having the awareness to just kind of understand your, your mood as it relates to that, I think is mm-hmm. a very powerful thing in helping you uh, overcome the sort of negative emotions that can happen. Yeah, for sure. How about you, Grant? What are your strengths? What makes you resilient? So much like I think I've 
gotten a sense that you feel is when talking about this, it's really hard as I think we would consider each other as moderately modest people or people who take at least some care not to sound, as you said, self-righteous or kind of full of themselves. And so it's in our episode also, title a couple episodes ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I struggle a little bit with that, but also when thinking about how to answer the question, I also notice myself struggling with trying not to sound really basic. Hmm. For example, just using just really general descriptors that probably everyone would apply to themselves that don't really make me different from others, but make me feel really different yeah. because you feel special because they're positive things. Um, but I would say one of the things that I definitely haven't always had, um, but somewhat more recently, I would say I've developed it more and more is kind of becoming increasingly comfortable with looking like an idiot and allowing myself the leeway to make mistakes when I'm trying something new or doing something that I don't totally understand and just kind of putting the trust in those around me, even though I might not know anything about them or have ever even met them before, that they won't think I'm a complete idiot for screwing up something that apparently everyone else knew, but I had no idea about. Um, You're using a lot of general terms that makes this sound very specific and recent. (laughs) I don't know. Well, since moving, (laughs) there's been tons of things that I didn't really know how to do, and I just kind of had to walk in there and wing it. And very frequently I mess it up majorly and just kind of look like a fool a little bit. Um, Like some of the things that I have to do at work are completely new to me. And it's one of those things where I get kind of a five minute tutorial on it. And then they say, okay, now go do this. And I just end up sitting there for a sec thinking, oh, wow. So I, I watched them do that and I absorbed what they said, but also there's so many little things that I don't understand about what I'm doing right now that allow me to make some major mistakes. Um, and so there's some things like that and even, even simple things like going grocery shopping and stuff. Although it's something that I've done before, it's not something that I've done before with kind of this long term of a mindset of like okay i'm grocery shopping for myself and i will be for the foreseeable future and so i don't know i make some mistakes grocery shopping like very often there's kind of two items that you need to buy at a grocery store that go together like you're not gonna buy hummus if you don't have anything to eat the hummus with (laughs) but yet i have done that multiple times now And I know that's not something that anyone sees in my life and is like, ah, ha, Krant's a fool. He looks stupid now because he didn't buy any pita to go with his hummus or something. 
but like I notice it and just kind of being okay with, okay, I'm going to make some silly mistakes and being able to just kind of stop for a sec, laugh at them and then move on rather than dwelling on them and being like, Grant, you're such a fool for not buying freaking pitas. Like now you got to go back to the store to make a special trip just to buy pitas so you can eat your freaking hummus. <laughs> and I don't know. That's a really vague thing. I think or that was not. awfully specific, actually. <laughs> yeah. You just told <laughs> the story was very specific to the past two days of that. But cause yeah. I was so excited when I saw hummus because it wasn't on my shopping list. I was like, oh, I want me some hummus. It'd be a great <laughs> snack. And then and you realized you had the four tubs and no chips. <laughs> yeah, I I was kind of frustrated because I didn't even notice it until I got home and was putting it in my fridge and was like, oh, I'm hungry now. Let's eat some hummus. And I opened one of the containers of hummus and I'm like, oh, crap. That baffles me, to be honest. I mean, I, I don't know the specifics of your hummus dining habits. I, I personally <laughs> do not enjoy hummus. But for anything that I want to have, it's not like I would be like, oh, I just want this one thing and I can possibly ignore the one thing that has the other thing that has to go with it. You know, it's it would be like going to the store and seeing peanut butter and being like, oh, man, I would love a PB&J right now. And then you just grab some peanut butter and go home and do nothing else with that information in your head about wanting a peanut butter and jelly sandwich other than the fact that you saw peanut butter and that's all you get. And then you go home and you're like shucks <laughs> well it's one of those things where i have a whole bunch of things that i'm getting at the grocery store and the hummus and pita aren't necessarily right next to each other and so you grab hummus and say oh yeah gotta remember to grab pita but did and you say in your head if you had said in your head i need to remember to grab oh, pita for this hummus i did oh man then you just go straight to the hummus grocery stores aren't that big i'm assuming you're not going to like a costco <laughs> No, but I'm trying to be efficient with my shopping so I'm not zigzagging back and forth through the store constantly. Oh, that's the best way to do it. So much more fun. And kind of like on my way from the hummus to wherever the pita is, because I don't even know where it is in this freaking grocery store, because I've only been there like three times. Yeah, and, and, you, and you explore by zigzagging around. <laughs> I know, but like on the way there, I get distracted by like, oh yeah, I was going to buy some chicken breasts. Here's the chicken breasts. Let's get them while I'm here mm. and thinking about it rather than having to zig all the way back and backtrack because like in this specific instance it was late at night and so i was trying to get my shopping done quickly because i wanted to get home and go to bed and then i got distracted well i suppose i shouldn't be surprised that i'm somewhat distractible mark yeah your brain does not work in the ideal fashion that i think it should (laughs) no one's brain works in the ideal Uh, fashion that someone thinks it should I know. Marcus. That's just like, it's just so, it's so preposterous to me that you could, like, have this spur of the moment, I want hummus and pita, and have that conscious thought, grab the hummus, and then never grab the pita. Like, I just don't understand how that can happen. Like, I know that you've explained it, but it's still hard for me to grasp that that happened. Oh, it, and it happens all the time, too. <laughs> Man. I'm just hoping that, like, next week you'll tell me, I went to the grocery store, I know that I had four tubs of pita, one of them, or hummus, one of them opened, still no pita, and then I bought more hummus on accident <laughs> instead of getting more pita. <laughs> oh, I was like, I man, I know that. that I needed one or the other, I just can't for the life of me remember which one it would be. 
Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, hopefully I don't do that. Then I, I might be a bit ashamed of that and might not tell you that one if that <laughs> happens. Um, uh. Wow, this really got slightly derailed from what we were originally oh. talking about and got really on the... <laughs> Is that any surprise? <laughs> my stupidness, but... That's okay. I don't know. That's how this works. Yeah, that's the whole point of this podcast, exactly. I guess, so... Oh, man. All right, well, we should move on. I mean, we're 25 minutes in already. Oh, yeah, let's get that's rolling like a chubby kid down a hill. Why do you always use that? You need to come up with, like, at least, like, four <laughs> phrases to recycle. Not just one. <laughs> I haven't used that one in the podcast yet, have I? At least multiple times. Otherwise, it wouldn't be obvious to me that you're saying it. Even if it was oh, under I... your breath like it was. <laughs> I'm sure I've said it to you multiple times, but I don't know if we've done it in the podcast. I can almost guarantee that we have. I'm not going to go back and listen, but <laughs> I feel like it's very likely. Okay. That's very possible. But we'll okay. see. So we're going to move on now? Yeah. Okay, so where's, oh, there's your comic. So Mark's comic for this week is called The Argyle Sweater by Scott Hilburn. So this comic is set in what appears to be a restaurant as a patron is, appears to be exiting the restaurant and the waiter is standing at the table that appears to be just vacated, looking down at his hand with a couple of coins in it that I presume had previously just been on the table. And the waiter remarks, oh, wait, I, I got to maybe provide all the context. <laughs> I'll provide all the context, too. And so the patron who appears to be exiting the restaurant looks like a big pile of like snow and ice or something and so now back to where i was now that important context has been given the waiter's looking down at the few coins in his hand and says 27 cents that's it i hope he melts and the comic has the caption at the bottom of the tip of the iceberg (laughs) ha 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 I kind of boofed that one up a little bit, but yeah, well, what's new? you saved me from boofing it up the rest of the way. I try. I kind of expected the punchline to be slightly different than that <laughs> as I was like describing it, and so it caught me kind of off guard. Well, that's, that's the excitement of this uh, mode of communication that we have here. It's like sight reading a piece of music, Grant. Yeah, which I'm terrible at. I was going to guess. I was so bummed when they took that out of the wind ensemble auditions because that was the thing I was best at by a long shot. See, and I was so happy because it was the thing that I couldn't do (laughs) whatsoever. Uh, So I couldn't decide if, after reading this comic, if I just wanted us to go back and forth and share terrible puns. No. Or actually actually talk about tipping culture. (laughs) But I suppose we'll talk about tipping culture. I was going to say, I'm not sure if I can pun on the spot very good right now. Very so, well. Well, I mean, I wouldn't be doing it on the spot. I'd be reading off of r slash dad jokes. <sighs> I got my best friend a fridge for her birthday. I can't wait to see her face light up when she opens it. 
Okay, stop. <laughs> that one was actually kind of funny, though. <laughs> How do you tell dad jokes? Are, are we going to keep going with this? Is that what's happening right now? Personally, I like to do it at dinner time, so he spits out his food. <laughs> that one wasn't as funny. Do you get it, though? <laughs> yeah, it took me a second to figure it out. That's why it wasn't as funny. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I want you to be very honest. What is your, like, what is your personal tipping policy? Like, what, you know, there are a lot of situations out there that, that you are put in tipping. I focus on restaurants because I don't find myself in things like taxis very frequently. Mm-hmm. So just think about, like, going out to restaurants or whatever. What is your kind of personal tipping policy? Um... I'm trying to summarize my personal tipping policy. In general, I would say my personal tipping policy can be summed up by saying tip more than you know you should be. Hmm. Or like slightly more. Um, and especially in a situation where it's a place that I know that I frequent, I say kind of at least I try to generally tip more than I necessarily not should be, but definitely don't like not tipping the minimum. If that makes any sense. Well, what do you define as the minimum? That's like a very, you know, that's the thing you can say like, Oh, tip more than minimum, but the minimum is zero unless we're mm-hmm. counting dine and dashes. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so are we going to go with restaurants and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Because that's just, I feel like that's the most frequented sort of a thing. I know it is for me. I don't think I've ever tipped in mm-hmm. any other situation in my life, so. Really? When would I have? I don't know. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> there's there's certain people who I, like back home, the person who I kind of had the same person who cut my hair for a number of years. Okay, and, like, sure. Okay, I would yeah, always fine. Tip I guess, her. yeah, hairstylists count. I forget about hairstylists. But, I don't know. Let's still stick with restaurants, because my tipping policy with a hairstylist is very different. Yeah. So, with restaurants, I'll think about... Often what I do is I think about kind of how much I should be tipping based on some around, like, shoot for around 18%, and then I'll often add a dollar to it. That's oddly because, specific. Because frequently, I'm just paying for myself, and so that's like maybe a ten or twelve dollar bill. Mm-hmm. And so, I feel I just feel silly sometimes giving like a dollar fifty tip or something. Yeah, I get that. And so, I don't know. I think. People in restaurants often work very hard, and tips are a very significant portion of their income. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Especially if it's a place that I expect to be coming back to. I believe that often it does get you somewhat better service in the future. It can. Not necessarily, but I don't know. I just think it's kind of a good thing to do. Maybe I'm just a fool who's wasting my money, but... 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it's your money. You, you get to decide whether you're <laughs> wasting it or not, not anybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, I don't know. I feel like when I think about it, and part of this is just having, I was a server for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Part of what I do is definitely tip on time. So mm-hmm. there's a big difference between, let's say, because I worked at an Applebee's, we will use Applebee's as the base level, your neighborhood bar mm-hmm. and grill. <laughs> Welcome Stop. to the neighborhood. <laughs> Stop. Uh, but, you know, just a middle of the road restaurant. Because things get all out of whack if we're talking about a sort of fast foody type place. Oh, or if we're talking yeah, about that's... a fancy place, right? Things get sort of out of whack there. The expectations mm-hmm. start to vary a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we're sticking in the like Applebee's, B dubs, just your local sort of casual sit down restaurant. Uh, things tend to be pretty much the same across the board. Mm-hmm. And some factor, especially if I'm not ordering a lot of food, like, you know, a thing in high schools, you know, going to Applebee or in college, going to Applebee's like for half off appetizers and you're only spending mm-hmm. like five bucks. But, you know, especially in high school, it's not like you're drinking, but you'd stay there for a good chunk of time. And that's a good chunk of time where that, you know, especially if it's a busy night where the server doesn't get that table again. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's a big factor. It's like why people don't like squatters at restaurants is because you're just occupying a table where more revenue and more tips could be coming from. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of a factor where it's like, oh, I pay five bucks for a meal, right? At 20%, mm-hmm. the tip is a dollar. Yeah. But if I'm there for over an hour, like I'm definitely just going to tip you like two or three or more bucks just because like, why not? Mm-hmm. Like it's fine. Uh, so that that's kind of a factor is if it's a place where like, it's not like necessarily like a, you go and you go out sort of a place, but they definitely don't want people sitting there for like a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Then it's, I think it's prudent to re- kind of recoup that expense for them, at least for the mm-hmm. server, you know, whatever for the restaurant, that's, you know, wh- how it works. But at least for the server, if they're a good server, uh, yeah, you know, that's a nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. Is there a situation where you would ever tip below your your prescribed minimum of 18%? Your, your somewhat arbitrary target of 18%? Tip below that? Um... Yeah. Like in a in this sort of Applebee's type scenario, you know, obviously like there yeah. are situations where it's like, oh, you're at a coffee shop and they and they hand you back thirty cents, so you just dump it in the change jar. But, yeah, you know that's different. Yeah, I would say maybe below the eighteen percent, but I feel like culturally here the rule is like you should tip somewhere between fifteen and eight or fifteen and twenty percent or something like that. I could be wrong and maybe people have different views on that but i would definitely never tip below 15 percent because i feel like doing that is almost being rude to the person who just provided you with service regardless of really what kind of service it was i feel like below 15 percent is just kind of rude and a bit of a dick move 
Um, I don't know. Like, if you saw the waiter or waitress, like, spitting your food or something, like, sure. <laughs> but, like, don't be a dick. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel pretty much the same. I tend to aim for 20% just because the math is mm-hmm. easier. I do, you too. Know, move the decimal point and multiply by 2 and then round up, probably, because I'm nice. Yeah. In reality, that's what I do, but if it's, like a like low number of cents in rare in some situations i'll round down so that's why i say 18 percent yeah like 18 percent and up um i don't know so the biggest thing thing, that i heard one place and stuck with it well i mean part of that i think is most places that do an automatic gratuity like there are certain places especially in busy areas or Mm -hmm. in i know that when i've gone to like when I went to Disney World, a lot of restaurants did that, where they're like, if you mm-hmm. have a group of blah or more, like six an 18% or more or gratuity is automatically, and it's always yeah. 18%, is the number that mm-hmm. they've chosen. And other restaurants, I know Applebee's did this, I know some other restaurants do, they'll be like, oh, if you tip 15%, this is how much it is, 18% this much, 20% this much. Mm-hmm. But the main issue with all of these, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this problem, is that all of these are tips... That include the tax. Yep. Which is... Honestly, I don't care too much. I, I don't worry about it. But just from like a normal perspective, it's like... I don't know. Like, tipping on tax is like... Obviously just... Silly. Stupid. If you just... Yeah, if you just kind of think about it. Like, this mm-hmm. is not... Money that the restaurant is seeing or the server is seeing or anything like that. It is just a... Just a sort of thing, and it varies so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's another thing. It's like I don't pay too much attention to it because when it's like twenty bucks or something, mm-hmm. and then the tax like is that is like not much more than a dollar or two, and then you're looking at like twenty or forty cents in the quoted uh, mm-hmm. uh, tip suggestion. Like that's not a big deal. Once you start going out, it's like, oh, you're paying for a big group of people. You're going out for a fancy dinner. Then it starts to matter a bit more, you know? Yeah. Like I went uh, when I was home. I went out to uh, I went out for bowling with uh, a bunch of uh, people for Aaron's birthday, and just to make life easier, like we just kind of rented a few lanes. Some people got some drinks. We got some pizzas, whatever. Just to make life easier, like it's it was all just on like one bill under the thing. So I just like being one of the two people there who was not a college student. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I just kind of covered it all and had people Venmo me. Mm-hmm. And then I had to tack or tip, but it was like, you know, it was like a couple hundred dollars and the tax mm-hmm. on a couple hundred dollars is like significant. Yeah. Like $30 <laughs> or whatever. Like, it's <laughs> like, you know, it's a big difference. Oh. Uh, and then it's like, well, I'm not going to tip on that necessarily. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to tip them an extra, whatever, I don't know, even like, you know, because at that point you're talking about tipping, you know, close to $40. Mm-hmm. And then if you're tipping on tax, then you're getting close to 50 Yep. You know, and that starts to make a big difference mm-hmm. in the long run. So I don't know. That's always been kind of silly for me is people who, or it's not, it's not the people. The people are not even paying attention most of the time. They just look at the big number at the bottom, the total. And mm-hmm. then, you know, same thing that I do. I normally don't care enough. I don't go looking for the pre-tax value and then tip on that. 
But all these, all the computers are doing when they're printing out the suggested tip, which is the thing yeah. that always gets me, is they're literally just multiplying by, you know, 0.15 times whatever the, the final price is. Yep. Yeah. So I always yeah. think that that's a bit rude, if mm-hmm. nothing else. For me, I I try to look at the subtotal when I can. If it's like a a small bill, as my bills often are, being a young person who's often like splitting a check and just paying for my own food. I normally won't worry about it because it's a nominal amount and I'm normally going to round my tip in a way that like it is kind of a moot point. Um, but if in the few occasions that I have recently paid for like a whole bill of multiple people or something where it's a more significant dollar amount, I will in those situations look at the subtotal for sure and try to calculate my tip based on that and then do whatever funny rounding magic I decide in the heat of the moment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At some um, point it becomes very arbitrary. Yeah. Cause honestly, my preferred way to pay at restaurants specifically for a meal is I really enjoy paying in cash. I mm. strongly dislike using a card cause it just, it feels so much simpler to be able to give like an even dollar amount to them and just say like, you can keep the change and yeah, then I don't have to leave. deal with it. Yep. I'm the same. Um, and so whenever, especially whenever I'm going out to restaurants, I always do my best to make sure that I have like a couple of every denomination of dollar amount in my wallet so that I can kind of make my bill any dollar amount that I want or make the amount of money that I'm paying, you know, yeah. so that I could pay like $29 and pay with a 20, a five and four ones or something. Sure. Rather than having to make the decision, okay, do I pay with my card and pay what I actually want to pay or do I pay $30 with mm. a 20 and a 10 or something? Yeah. I get that. Yeah. And I know that it's also, well, to some extent, it's a little easier on the server as well, at least if you don't request change because that's just annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because then they have to come back and make change. And making change as a server yeah. is super frustrating. Because at least for me, my change just sat in a Ziploc bag in my apron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you have to go into an undisclosed location and dig out the correct amount of change. And that's no fun. Yeah. So. Yeah, I feel like it just makes the process simpler for everyone. And, and then wastes less of their time having to deal with something that's not i would say the main part of their job because the main part of their job i would say is like providing positive service to their customers and although like making change or whatever is technically part of that job i don't think anybody who enjoys being a server sticks with it because they just love making change like (laughs) at least not anymore (laughs) yeah Things definitely uh, don't go well when the electricity goes out and all of a sudden everybody has to revert back to paper. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's fun. Gotta be prepared. You gotta always have cash on you. Yep. Hey, Grant. Yeah? What's blue and not heavy? Oh, you're gonna hit me with a dad joke and I hate you for it. Um, My tears. Light blue. You suck. I have a really funny joke that I heard from a server at Applebee's. <laughs> it was like the one joke that he had, but it always made me laugh. What is it? 
So a pony walks into a bar, sits at a bar stool, and says, Hey, I'd like a whiskey. And the bartender says, Man, what's wrong with your voice? And the pony says, I'm a little horse. (laughs) (laughs) The second you started talking as the pony, I was about to give you crap for the fact that, like, is that really what a pony sounds like? Because that's not the voice I would have ascribed to a pony. (laughs) Are you being ponyist? (laughs) Is that a pun or is that a real word? No, it's neither. It's a word you made up? Yeah, it's a word that I made up. I'm just saying, don't. You know, a pony can have a voice that the pony has. Okay. But I would say, I would assume a more stereotypical pony voice is much less hoarse sounding than that. Yeah, everybody has stereotypes. That doesn't mean people don't defy them. Grant. So are you saying the pony is a person now? I thought it was an animal. Yeah, I am. Let's not go down this rabbit hole right now.